This is episode number 58 with Kristen Smith, the founder of Saffron and Sage. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle and welcome back. I can't believe we are nearing the end of another year. I feel like 2019 flew by. Was it the same for you? Well, with the new year, a lot of us start thinking about what we want to manifest in the new year, right? What our intentions are and what our goals are. And part of that is to create success on our own terms, whatever that looks like for you. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, you work in a corporate environment or nonprofit, or you run your own business, or you're just figuring out life, wherever you are on the journey, you get to decide what your life looks like. And what I love about today's guest is she was on a journey that was going down one path and had a health crisis, which led her to create the enterprise that she runs today, which is called Saffron and Sage. And it's a holistic wellness center that incorporates medical doctors, acupuncture, yoga, so many other modalities and practitioners all under one roof. And what she's created doesn't really exist in the way that she's done it. And so I'm going to let Kristen tell you her story in her words. And I just want you to think about how oftentimes an entrepreneurial journey begins with wanting to create something that you know would benefit others and is needed in the marketplace. And that's really what, to me, Kristen's story is all about. So just a little bit more, though, about Kristen. She is a social entrepreneur, spiritual director, and spatial designer, as well as the founder of Saffron and Sage. And she not only serves as the strategy director, but as a spiritual director holding space for individuals to explore their sacred pilgrimage while cultivating discernment and incorporating other ancient practices into their lives like solitude and meditation. She has a really cool story that I'm so excited to share with you. Now, we'll say, though, since this does cover issues around health and well-being, as a reminder, this episode is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace your relationship with your trusted healthcare provider or doctor. So on that note, let's get into the show. Welcome to the show, Kristen. So happy to have you on today. Thanks, Michelle. I'm excited to be here. So we met at a an event of seven-figure female entrepreneurs, and I was really intrigued by your story. And I'm so curious to dive into it because I don't know that much about it other than what you told me there, uh, which is how you healed yourself of some tumors in your neck. And I was wondering if you could, if we could just start with you taking us into your backstory of professionally how you started and then into your journey of kind of the health issue and how that unfolded into what you're doing today. Yeah. So I started my career in financial insurance services, did that for a number of years, 
was really successful. Uh, we weathered the 2008 crash, and mm. by the end of it, I was just exhausted. I was teetering on the edge of burnout, and I needed to take some time to just rest and recalibrate. And so I ended up uh, moving to Mexico for a six-month sabbatical mm. and taking up residence in Tijuana, not Tulum. Mm. And it was a space for me to just you know, decompress, to read, to meditate, uh, to, you know, it was the first time in my life where I hadn't actually worked. And um, it was beautiful the first couple of weeks and months that I was um, there and leaning into that experience until it um, took a, a different turn. And um, it was about a couple months in when um, someone had noticed uh something in my throat. It was my adopted kind of Mexican mother. And she was like, you know, telling me, she's like, I see something in your throat. I'm like, no, I'm fine. And she goes, no, I think there's, there's something there. You need to go to the doctors. And I was like, okay. So to appease her, I was like, I'll pay the, you know, $2 copay that it's going to cost Mm. me, but you know, 40 pesos, whatever it was. And so I went to, to the doctor and he did a, a physical exam and he goes, she's right. There is something there. And he was about ready to head out for the day when I had arrived. And he said, you need to go right now, get an ultrasound. He goes, I'm going to wait until you return. Yeah. And uh, I went to go get this ultrasound. Of course, the fact that he was going to wait for me to return at four o'clock <laughs> at night put me, you know, um, in an alarm state. And so got my ultrasound and it turns out um, she was right. And so with the doctor, there was not one, but four tumors, um, which turned out that they were rapidly growing in my neck and my thyroid and, um, you know, had to get a biopsy and, and, you know, and then after getting the biopsy, you know, taking all these results, um, back to my doctor and the doctor's recommendation was, um, that I have surgery immediately and that I was going to be dependent on pharmaceutical drugs for the rest of my life. And I was just shocked by that. And so, I, um, I got a second opinion and then a third and then a fourth. And they all said the exact same thing. We have no idea what the root cause is. Um, but we recommend surgery in pharmaceutical drugs. And I thought to myself, you know, it seems even scarier to have surgery and to, you know, slice open my neck and take out my thyroid and all these things without knowing the root cause. Cause what's this, what's to say that, you know, tumors won't come back again or something else won't happen. And so I started reading and researching and that's when I stumbled upon traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda and integrative and functional medicine. And, um, it took about a year, but I pulled together over the course of that time, a multidisciplinary of practitioners, everything from integrative medicine doctors to naturopathic doctors to colon hydrotherapists, acupuncturists, nutritionists, massage therapists, uh, spiritual directors, you know, you name it. In fact, uh, every modality that I did during that time is um, a modality that we offer here now at Saffron and Sage. And so it really turned into this, um, this, wellness journey of getting to the root of what was unfolding and doing so in a way that was going to address not just the symptoms that were presenting themselves like the tumors, um, but really the, you know, getting to the bottom of the root cause. And it turned out there was um, a lot of toxicity. I had heavy metal toxicity. I had had a severe parasitic infection 
And, and those are just the physical components, right? Because anytime we have any sort of uh, disease or illness, chronic condition that's manifesting, there's always an emotional component as well. And so um, I was sorting through um, all of the emotional layers attached to, um, you know, my my upbringing and my childhood and, and things of that nature. So that's that's a little bit about my journey and, um, you know, and out of that grew this beautiful business that now we um, have our first flagship location located in Little Italy here in downtown San Diego. We have um, just under 3,000 square feet and 30 practitioners on staff. We do everything from acupuncture and massage to energy therapy and nutritional therapy, psychotherapy, uh, as well as yoga, meditation, breath work, um, things of that nature. And so we take this mind-body-spirit approach, addressing um, the thoughts, the toxins, and the trauma that's contributing to um, disease and illness. And so... Yeah, that's that's wow. That's how we came to be. Okay, a lot to unpack there. So I get it. We're gonna stay back in Mexico. So when you found out, what was it? Were they malignant tumors or were they non-cancerous? Yeah, they were benign. They weren't cancerous. Okay, and um, but they were growing at such a rapid pace. The doctors were really nervous and couldn't figure out, you know, why they were growing so rapidly. Mm. And if they weren't cancerous, then you know they were nervous that that um, cancer cells were going to start developing very soon. Okay, and so you got multiple opinions because you just wanted to see, you know, what the path looked like about, you know, to how to treat this. But what made you? go, wait a second, I actually think I want to take a different approach to this. Because I think, you know, as you mentioned, the doctor was concerned, your Mexican mom there, the woman who was looking after you, you know, everyone was concerned and you obviously were concerned. But where did you have that internal voice that said, wait a second, I want to look at root cause. Were you already familiar with integrative medicine, holistic medicine, or was it just something more internal, like intuitive? Yeah, I, I wasn't exposed to, you know, integrative or functional medicine or anything like that. Uh, but it just didn't make logical sense to me, you know, when I would sit and I would tell the doctors, I said, you know, if, if you can't identify the root cause, why would we take such drastic measures? Uh, and on top of it, you know, and granted, these these initial doctors were not pulling very comprehensive, um, you know, blood work at the time. and but the blood work that they did pull, my thyroid levels were in range. And mm. so it just seemed a bit odd to me, right? And and these were their, you know, standard procedures. But it was really, you know, um, my intuition that just said something's not right. Mm. Uh, something's off. And I, I thought, you know, um, it's it's worth the risk um, to do further investigation. Yeah. And you had time because it wasn't malignant, right? I mean, you knew they weren't cancerous. So and even though it was growing, you felt like you had the ability to take some time to investigate. Now, were you in Mexico during all this time or did you come back to the States? Yeah, so I did, got my um, my third and fourth opinion in the U.S., even mm-hmm. though the doctors um, that I had been exposed to when living in Tijuana, I mean, we have this is the number one medical tourism destination in mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. um, for cancer and chronic conditions. So mm-hmm. I was exposed to um, some amazing places down there as well, but um, both on the traditional side 
as well as um, more integrative approaches that are down there. So, mm. uh, but yeah, my, um, you know, third and fourth opinions from the States and, and they said the same thing. Yeah. So, and um, how did you, what were the first steps then? So you thought, okay, well, what's the root cause? What triggered this? How did this happen? How do I prevent it from continuing in and also not coming back? So where did you start? Where, where did that curiosity and that internal voice take you? Yeah, a lot of reading, actually. I remember one of the first books that I stumbled upon um, was Healing with Whole Foods, which whoever helped name that book did not do it justice because it's so com- comprehensive. Um, Paul Pitchford, I believe mm-hmm. the author's name is. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, you know, really an in-depth um, foundation to traditional Chinese medicine. And it really looks at um, disease and illness and the different um, ways that those can be supported and, and also, um, you know, what you can do. And so I was exposed to learning about, um, the language that's used in traditional Chinese medicine, right? Like Mm. you hear things like, uh, wind, right? There's cold coming into the body, things of that nature. Mm. There's heat or there's dampness. So it's a, it's a different language to explain, um, certain, um, conditions that are found. And I think it was really getting access to these other tools. And also in traditional Chinese medicine, um, they're looking at not just the physical components, but the emotional and and spiritual components as well. And I think, uh, looking at all of the work I had done in years prior with my spiritual director and my psychotherapist, all of the physical ailments aligned, um, with the emotional, Mm. Uh, pieces that I had been working through, right? The throat is all about speaking your truth, uh, living in alignment with um, with your essence, right? And um, not that I didn't enjoy financial services, not that um, I wasn't really good at what I did, yeah. uh, but that wasn't what was meant for me um, in that new season. So seeing, you know, what was now a blessing in disguise of, of that, um, that market crash happening, right. And, and Mm -hmm. altering the trajectory of my life and my business, um, really put me on a different path Mm -hmm. and, um, from my own healing and transformation and now, um, affecting, you know, the lives of others as well. Sure. And so it sounds like you you did obviously see a naturopath at some point. You mentioned with all the other people that you called in. Mm-hmm. So what when you met with them, was it like, oh, yeah, here's a, a different way that we're going to look at it. Tell us the difference of how it was approached. Yeah, when I... Um, ne- when I met with my naturopath, she uh, was the one that pieced together the um, heavy metal toxicity mm. and had referred me to a holistic dentist. And so I went all the way to LA to see this amazing holistic dentist to start the process of removing my amalgam fillings. Uh, and she um, encouraged a lot of work with uh, nutrition and actually um, essential oils mm. and, and supplements. And then when I met my... Um, integrative medicine doctor, um, in LA. Can you explain what that is? Cause just, I'm just yeah. in terms of what, it, what does that mean? An integrative medicine doctor? Yeah. So, uh, integrative medicine t- tends to reference, uh, the fact that, um, you have a Western trained doctor who is, um, bringing in modalities that have been, 
um, traditionally uh, utilized by by Eastern doctors, mm-hmm. like acupuncturists, things of that nature. So integrating maybe some of these ancient uh, modalities or ancient practices like acupuncture with um, evidence-based practices um, that we're traditionally using in the West. Okay, thank you. So you went to see her, yeah. so go ahead. So it's just helpful because yeah. not everyone's going to be familiar with the, these terms. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So when we started working together, she actually affirmed everything that my naturopath, um, even though they had never spoken to one another, I was the one having to synthesize all this information and communicate and, you know, bring along all of my medical records. Uh, but she had, uh, was in agreement with everything that my naturopathic doctor had said. And she had, uh, encouraged me to start incorporating acupuncture. She recommended me starting colon hydrotherapy. Mm. Uh, she, um, had me on, um, a lot of detoxification, uh, products and, um, I was also doing my IV therapy at her recommendation. So one of the issues I had was absorption, right? Mm. So I was eating all these amazing locally sourced organic, um, you know, foods, right? Mm. But because of my, um, the damage that had been done from the parasites. And at that point I was still trying to rid my body of the parasites. I wasn't absorbing or getting any of that nutrition, and Why? So, because your body um, was working hard on the detoxification of the other stuff or the parasites? Oh, because you... the parasites were eating it all. <laughs> oh, they were. Seriously. Okay. Yeah. And you found yeah. that out through what? A blood test or? So, well, just my uh, looking at all my mineral and vitamin deficiencies and things like that and knowing that I still had the parasites in my system. Got it. And so the question was, how do we get um, nutrition to her, right? Um, mm. So that she can... Um, just have energy and capacity, but so that the body can heal. And, uh, so, uh, IV therapy, um, injectable nutrition is obviously the quickest way to get that into your system. And so that was really a godsend for me during those, those, um, those months. Wow. Okay. So from diagnosis to actually did healing, imagine the tumors, did they just go away? What Can you take us into what happened? Like how long did that take and what were you seeing happening with your body as you were integrating all of these different approaches? Yeah, it took about a year for me to pull all these people together. So I was doing some of these things. And then as I, you know, added more practitioners to my team, more things got in, implemented in, um, into my, my regimen. Uh, but it, so it took about a year and, um, at the end of that 12 months, when I had this kind of fully functional plan that I was uh, incorporating, it was then when uh, the tumor stopped growing, started shrinking. Mm. uh, And I think more visibly what you could notice in in me um, was that I started to be able to get a little bit of weight back on. Mm. Um, I lost all this weight. I was so sickly looking, so thin. And, um, I was pale. I didn't have color. Uh, and I would get these huge and I'm blanking on the, on the name of them right now, but because of my nutritional deficiencies in the corners of my mouth, my skin would tear and rip and bleed. And so I could hardly open my mouth to speak, let alone let it hurt if I laughed or, or, um, smiled. And so you could start to see those things heal and just my mood when you are you know, I call it the walking dead, right? When you have chronic conditions, 
you're just, you're there, but you're not really there. And so the, the layer of, um, discouragement, depression, you know, just the blueness of, uh, living in, in that sort of state, it just takes a toll on you. And I think people really noticed when that veil started to lift. And I think it was really in that time when you could feel, see the physical changes in me, um, when friends and family and friends of friends started reaching out and saying, Oh my goodness, what do I do? I have PCOS. I have you know, I'm struggling with infertility. I've been diagnosed with cancer and I thought, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, I, you know, and so, and I think that the common misconception is that there's some secret recipe, right? If I just mm. do what you did, I'll get better. And I think, uh, you know, that's why my, my response to them was, well, let me recommend the practitioners I'm working with. Let me, let me refer you to the places that I'm going. Cause I have, personally curated this list of practitioners mm. and places and products and practices that I think are essential and foundational. And that was how things uh, got started. Wow. Okay. And so at some point through your journey, wh- when did the idea of creating your own space, instead of referring people out to the practitioners you worked with, you said, wait, what if I created a place where people could just come to one place and find all of this? When did that come about? Yeah, that that actually even wasn't my idea. That was one of our clients' ideas. Ah. Um, I started doing consultations uh, in my living room. And, um, and then from there, it kind of grew out of hand. And I thought, man, I didn't even have enough energy and capacity uh, to do all this. And so, uh, so we started hosting, um, educational and social gatherings, um, my home friends of friends and their homes. We had these beautiful spaces in, uh, the Inland Empire, Los Angeles, San Diego, and Tijuana, where we were doing, uh, all of these different events centered around the mind body connection or the brain gut connection or plant-based medicine, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, mapping our emotions, these kind of foundational topics that I found to be essential for me. And I turned into this kind of traveling circus. And so practitioners would drive out to these events and come speak and come chat. And then uh, from there, it was one of our clients um, in San Diego actually said, well, I want to come into your space to to start seeing all these practitioners. I'm like, well, mm. we don't have a space. <laughs> and, like, that's uh, a good idea and, though. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I thought we were going to be like the Yelp of the wellness world, right? I thought we were just going to curate and go in and vet mm. and bring some sort of uh, legitimacy to the complementary medicine world. Right. Mm. Um, and turns out, no, everyone wanted to come to, uh, to, to my space and wanted to come to a space where, I had vetted all the practitioners, all the practices, mm-hmm. all the products, and um, and come to a beautiful space. I think that's what was really unique mm-hmm. about our events is that they were multi-sensory. You mm-hmm. know, we weren't sitting in a sterile clinical environment in folding chairs, right? Mm-hmm. We were in beautiful spaces that were inspirational, that were hospitable, uh, and it was centered around story and Mm. journey. And I think that's so much of what we're missing. When I would sit in those doctor's offices in the very beginning, they put the fear of God in me, right? And they didn't care about my story. They didn't care about my journey. They were interested in letting me know what I needed to do. And I just needed to make it happen on my own. And I think, you know, we need a space that can 
hold um, our emotional uh, experiences as we go through things like this, right? Absolutely. Uh, and, and not just when the diagnoses come, but when we, you know, need to show up to take that class, to go to that appointment, and we don't want to, right? You know, it's not every day. I don't want to eat the things, you know, that I need to be eating, right? We right. all have those inclinations and desires, and that's really why we need a community that we can trust that can support us. Yeah. And so, and so, yeah, it was, um, it was one of our clients who said, uh, and this was probably, I don't know, four years ago or something. She said, you are going to be huge. This is the most incredible. Uh, and she called it the business then, even though it was just my, my passion project. Mm. Uh, you know, she goes, this is going to be, um, a, a world changing business because nothing like this exists and we need a space like this. And so mm. from that point, point, we started working on, um, you know, I started working on just that. And so uh, we opened our first location two years ago in September. And um, just thanks. Yeah. And just last month, we were named uh, one of the top 10 spas in San Diego by Condé Nast Traveler Magazine. Wow. Congrats, Kristen. That's amazing. Yes. Okay. So we're going to dig a little bit deeper more because there's a lot of curiosity from myself, but then the audience, we like get, like you mentioned, storytelling. The stories really help us understand the journey and also what's possible. Now, at some point you became a spiritual director. I'll be honest, I don't know what that means. I'd love for you to explain (laughs) what, what that entails. Like, did you go to school for that? And how does it help others? Yeah, so I, uh, well, spiritual direction, interestingly enough, is one of the oldest um, religious offices, for Mm -hmm. lack of a better term, that actually grew out of Judaism uh, back in ancient days and has been adopted by a lot of faith-based communities, communities. from Christianity to Catholicism, as well as um, uh, Islam, there's there's so and and now spiritual direction has been um, incorporated by non-religious um, organizations um, and groups all around the world. And I would have to say that I was exposed to spiritual direction um, during the time when I was doing my nonprofit work. Uh, and I had never heard of it either. And it really uh, kind of spoke to me in that season because mm-hmm. I had built a life and, a, a, you know, a couple of companies around uh, what I thought were my life goals and desires. And by the time I was in my early 20s, I'd achieved all of those uh, goals and objectives and I thought, wow, there's got to be something more. And that's <laughs> when I started devoting my <laughs> myself to uh, my nonprofit work. And uh, and then coming in contact with spiritual direction, uh, it, they were talking about things like Sabbath, you know, mm-hmm. um, rest, rest yeah. uh, reconciliation, uh, you know, forgiveness, releasing yourself, releasing others. Um, solitude, some of these ancient disciplines and practices, which I found to be so refreshing that it wasn't about doing. And I think even in our uh, personal development world, our, you know, 
spiritual development world, it's still about climbing the ladder and doing things. Mm -hmm. And in spiritual direction, it was almost the exact opposite. It was about sitting. It was about reflecting, Mm. not coming up with answers, not coming up with solutions, not trying to figure out if you're to blame uh, and what more you could be doing, but really about letting go. And, you know, spiritual direction is about looking at what the divine is drawing you into. What is that golden thread that's being woven throughout Mm. your life? That's a beautiful uh, visual right there. I like that. Yeah. The golden thread. That's yeah. Yeah. And and I saw, I've uh, worked with two spiritual directors over the past, um, I would say maybe 10 years or Mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. And they were so instrumental. The first one that journeyed with me through the entire financial crash Mm -hmm. and, you know, really as, as things were falling apart and shifting. Uh, and so I always, always joke that I had my midlife crisis at at 25 instead of 45. (laughs) So Yeah, but it was really, you know, when I was in my early 20s and going through the financial crash, I was brushing up against failure and loss Mm. and struggle for the first time, right, Mm. in in my adult life. And that was really uh, shifting. It shifted my beliefs. It shifted my worldview. uh, It shifted my definitions, particularly my definitions of success, which Mm. really allowed um, made way for this this breakthrough and this shift into um, who I am now and where I am now. And I think this spiritual director that journeyed with me um, through the time of me deciding to sell everything and move to Mexico and, and kind of the second half of my journey and through all of these diagnoses and these major, um, this major health journey, I would say my spiritual director, Greg, was probably the most significant practitioner through everything. Mm. And I would even venture to say more so than the naturopaths and the doctors and the MDs and the acupuncturists, because it's an emotional journey. Mm. It's a spiritual journey. And I think uh, that's really with anything, with life, with business, it's about the battle with your mind and what's going on in your internal dialogue, your perception of yourself and the world around you. And and then sorting through all of these past experiences that are, um, have contributed to these present, present moments that we're weighing through. And so spiritual direction was that companionship, right? Uh, Mm. That spiritual companion of being able to go to, um, you know, what to me, having grown up in an agnostic environment, uh, almost like a confessional, right? You're with this individual that is bound um, to hold sacred and safe space for mm-hmm. you to show up as you are. And that was so powerful that, uh, you know, years later, um, when I was still living in Mexico, uh, I had learned about um, the program through Loyal of Marymount. Um, in conjunction uh, with the Sisters of St. Joseph's of Orange. And uh, I was just drawn to that. And maybe because I was so depleted and Mm. exhausted, uh, and I thought this was something that I could uh, really sink my teeth into because more than anything, I remember telling Greg, I said, 
I am not interested in being a spiritual director. <laughs> I mm. could never do what you do. How I'm funny. interested in learning how to hold the space that you hold for me for myself. And I said, oh, I think beautiful. if I can learn, yeah, if I can learn how to hold that space for myself to suspend judgment, to suspend, uh, you know, any sort of expectation, I can then extend that to those in my life. And that was really my focus. And so I entered into this three-year training program, which was probably one of the most transformative experiences of my life. Uh, and I joke that I was trained by a bunch of nuns and a bunch of uh, uh, Catholic sisters who were amazing, who had done all of this work all around the world uh, and leaders who had served in, in business and different areas. And it was one of the most, uh, I think life altering, um, uh, trainings that I had ever done. And it's really set the stage for the work that we do here at Saffron and Sage. Wow. Kristen. So this is so interesting. So it's an actual program. So is that at Loyola university? Uh-huh. It is. Yep. So Loyola does a, an actual uh, degree program, which I did not do. I just did the three-year certificate. Uh, but yeah, you can actually, uh, Loyola and um, I believe a few other universities, you can um, get your degree in spiritual direction or spiritual formation. Wow. Okay. So that's really interesting. I thank you for explaining all of that. So you did the course prior to starting your center then? Yep. Okay. And then you launched the yeah. center. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, so those so, two were not necessarily uh, done in tandem, but but I am I do serve as a practitioner here at Saffron and Sage as well, offering spiritual direction so um, cool. to our clients. Oh my goodness. Okay. So it's so comprehensive. Okay. So I always like asking about the name. So let's start with the name Saffron and Sage. How'd you come up with the name? This is my favorite question to to, to answer. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, so it it came about um, over a period of time, but I remember it really coming together when I was on um, on a business trip in the UK in London, actually. And saffron is this very costly, very valuable spice, mm-hmm. right? We have the um, saffron was actually traded at a higher price than gold at one point on the stock exchange. Okay. Right. And I was so drawn to that idea because my experience, uh, going through this health crisis is that when I sat down with doctors and as you mentioned, no fault to their own, they, you know, are doing the best that they can with the training that they have within the system that we have constructed. Right. Mm. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, I did not feel as though I was more precious than gold. I felt like mm. I was another number. And so, uh, you know, I was like, what would it look like if we actually created a space where our practitioners, not just doctors, our practitioners, uh, which included medical doctors, but mm. went beyond, mm-hmm. uh, treated our clients as if they were more precious than gold. Oh, and and that. that's the first thought that came into to Saffron. The second one um, touches on the point that we were just talking about, about our broken system, uh, comes from the saffron colored robes that the Buddhist, um, monks wore in, in Burma. So these, uh, monks went to the streets in protest, um, burning themselves alive against this oppressive, 
government, this regime. And I thought, what would it look like to not badmouth our healthcare system? I think there's so much of that going on. There's so much blame mm-hmm. happening about mm-hmm. these doctors are horrible and all these other things, right? And it's like, that's really not helpful, I don't think. And, mm-hmm. and I thought, what would it look like if we started a revolution uh, around healthcare and started one that was positive and did so in a way that um, spoke out um, towards what we're missing and what we want, but didn't have to uh, tear anyone or anything else down. And so it was with that focus and inspiration from these um, monks in Burma that the other aspect of of saffron really came together for me. Hmm. And then sage, uh, you know, on the other side of things is a very common herb, something that we can find growing on the side of the road, right? Hmm. It's not very costly. It's very accessible uh, to to everyone. And, uh, And it's an herb that we use for culinary purposes. It's one that we'll probably all start using when we start cooking our turkey in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one that we use for spiritual purposes, for ceremonial purposes, whether we um, stage our space or mm-hmm. we've been a part of, um, you know, traditional rituals like a temascal or things like that, right? We we use it for, um, you know, medicinal purposes, salves, topically, things like that. But it is one that is, ordinary, right? Mm. Which means you it's not outside of our reach. And I think that's something that at least I grew up thinking, you know, the doctor is the expert. They're the mm. one who knows. And you're there to show up, tell them what's going on with you. And then they tell you what needs to be done. And most often that's really about taking your prescription down to the pharmacist and mm. just doing what they told you. Mm. And I thought, what what would it look like if we took our healthcare back into our own hands? And instead of the way that it is now, where 90% of the responsibility is on the doctor and 10% is on us as the patient, what if 90% of the responsibility for my health belonged to me Mm. and 10% belonged to the practitioner? And that's what we believe here at Saffron and Sage, that you are here doing classes and services and our practitioners are walking alongside you. And yes, they are making recommendations for uh, practices to do at home, things to shift in your diet, uh, different you know ways to uh, enhance your lifestyle to achieve your goals. Uh, but that's because 90% of, of that has to be done outside of here. It has to be done every day. And that's mm-hmm. why our clients are seeing such tremendous results because they are taking ownership for their own well-being and we are are serving in that rightful role of of the 10% space and and companioning them alongside and that's why i love to ask that question because there's usually a really cool story and a lot of thought and thoughtfulness that's gone into it, but I've not heard one that's been so passionately and so thoughtfully um, <laughs> curated. So I love that so much. Um, and it's written much more eloquently on my website. Yeah, so no. Under uh, etymology page. <laughs> no, no. I actually like the way you described it from the heart. I love that because um, you could hear the passion there. So you said there were 30 practitioners on staff. Is that right? 
Yep. We have about 30 practitioners on staff. I'm always going to recount every time. <laughs> okay. But that's yeah, huge. And you launched it to wait, 2017. So a little, I mean, we're yep. coming into, I don't know what month, but. Yes. Yeah, so, so we're two years and two months. Two years and two months into it. Wow. So that's yeah. huge growth. Um, so somebody comes into your center, Kristen, are they like, how do they, do they determine like, okay, I want to see the naturopath or I want to see an integrative medicine person or I want to see an acupuncturist or do they sit down with somebody who then comes up with a plan? Like, how does it actually work? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So before I answer this question, I just want to share this one thing because this was a question that came up the other day. Um, All of our practitioners are on staff at Saffron and Sage. So these are individuals who are renting space uh, or who come in. They truly work as an integrative team. And so when a client uh, comes in, they do their initial consultation. Um, we give them a whole hour complimentary. This is, I think one of, this is what I started doing in my living room. And this mm. is still one of the core principles, uh, that we will continue to do because it's that foundation that really sets the stage for getting a feel for their journey. Most of our clients who come in, they've, they've been through the ringer. They've been, going through all of their options through um, their insurance and, you know, working with their primary care doctor and specialists or going to see other different doctors. So by the time that they come in here, they're like, nothing has worked, right? Mm. Or I don't know where to start. Um, I think we're getting a lot more of those that are saying, we're just coming here because I have no idea where to start. And uh, after that hour consultation, we're making recommendations as to which services and uh, classes would be the best fit for them. Hmm. And uh, when they begin uh, their treatment plan, the pre- every practitioner that they're working with um, in the classes that they're taking in the studio, uh, the workshops that they're taking in our gathering room, and then all the treatments that they're doing, every single practitioner that is working with them forms their micro team. Wow. And this is what is really revolutionary and unique. Just like I had that integrative team of practitioners only all of our practitioners talk to one another. They're reviewing um, each of our uh, clients consistently. And because they all have a different, um, you know, expertise or lens that they're looking through, it allows us to provide comprehensive care. And so uh, once you start, you know, get your treatment plan, our clients determine which membership plan they want to go with. Mm-hmm. And, I was just going to ask uh, you that. Is it a membership or is it like a, you know, yeah. come in and pay? No. So you, yeah. Yes, yeah, so you can. You can come in and, and take a class yeah. and you can come in and, and book a, an appointment. But most of our clients are looking to regain or maintain their well-being, mm-hmm. which is why uh, they're selecting for a membership. That's giving them uh, exclusive access to our space. I think it's exciting. What is your hope for this holistic health space? We have a complete space that we now have everything that I envision for the space. And the vision is to replicate that in um, major cities around the country. Uh, The second part to our vision is um, having a space that you could probably label spa. Uh, It's uh, all of the, the hydrotherapy. So sauna, steam, Mm. um, Ayurvedic oil massages, colon hydrotherapy, um, all of those components. 
Uh, and then uh, the third space is both of those spaces that draw all the dry therapies that we have in our current location, plus all the wet therapies in our second location, um, in remote places around the world attached to, um, a boutique hotel. Mm. Um, and so where we can go and retreat and, and do extended, um, periods of, of Sabbath, um, sabbatical, things of that nature, uh, in places like Mexico and Morocco and wow. Turkey and Thailand. And so that's the, the big, big vision. So you have a huge vision for the company. I love this. So let's talk about it from just the business perspective. Um, mm-hmm. There are women out there who dream about creating and visioning mm-hmm. and putting something into actual and making it a reality, right? So it's not just in their head. So what's the mindset that you think a woman needs in order to take a vision and make it real? Hmm. The mindset. Well, I, I think the most important thing to being uh, an entrepreneur is perseverance. Mm. Uh, I think, you know, I would tell people this will succeed or I will die trying. Mm. <laughs> and I, I should have probably used some different language because I've nearly killed myself starting this thing. Mm. And I've, and I've absolutely sacrificed my own well being and mm. stunted my own healing journey because of the amount of stress, mm. um, that comes with starting and scaling a business, especially one that has as much overhead as we do in one of the most expensive cities in the country. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, that's something that I really wrestle with is, is, how do I be faithful to birthing this vision, but also how do I do that in a way that doesn't compromise the integrity of my own personal life? Mm. And so um, that's been a challenge for me, and it's been very, very hard. Um, but um, I think in the same way that I was willing to roll the dice um, and say, you know what, like if this if this thing kills me, you know, while I'm going down this route of, of trying to find uh, a treatment plan that I can feel comfortable with that I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. can get behind. Um, You know, I've lived a good life. And I think in the same way, I feel so compelled to see this sort of care exist in the world. And I think, you know, and I just, I'm getting emotional just saying this, Mm -hmm. it was so scary for me to go through that. I, was so lonely. It was so expensive. It was so exhausting to go through that process. And, you know, these doctors put the fear of God in you, right? Like I can't even imagine if I had cancer, you know, and I sat with our clients, you know, I'm thinking one of our members who she came in, she's in her early thirties and diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. Mm -hmm. She's got two little ones at home, right? You know, these are the things that our clients are working through and we need a safe space where people can come and have reliable, legitimate, holistic health care. And so uh, in some way, I am you know, not in some way, I am 100% okay with the personal sacrifices I have made uh, in order to put this out there. And yeah, it's, it's taken a lot of, um, it's taken a toll, just the stress of, of birthing this, you know? Yeah. And thank you for your now, transparency. Now I'm going on a rant, but yeah. No, no. <laughs> thank you for tra- your transparency. I, I ask uh, these questions because 
the truth is when you are birthing something or putting out a creative expression and making it and concretizing it and making it real, uh, it does take a lot of effort and energy and maybe lack of sleep. And I think that is part of the reality. And it's knowing that uh, you get to create success on your own terms. But, you know, if you've got the bigger the vision, maybe the bigger the output, too. I don't have plan B. I have leveraged all of my personal assets, every penny I own, mm. and there is no option but to succeed. And and I think that's how you do it. And I and I would um, get behind any other entrepreneur who says, I am all in. I've burned all the bridges and this will work because I've done my due diligence and I am putting every every amount of time, energy, um, money that I have into this thing. I have no doubt that you will continue to be incredibly successful because of your passion, because of your commitment, because of your vision and all of it. So I think it's great. Okay. So let's bring it back to you then. So how do you define success, Kristen? Oh, so my definition of success is living therapeutically and sustainably. Uh, I live five minutes down the road from uh, Saffron and Sage in Mission Hills in a neighborhood that I absolutely love, a neighborhood um, that I said when I moved to San Diego, this is where I'm going to live one day. And here, you know, mm. um, just a year and a half later, I, I, I moved there. And uh, I, I do what I love every single day. I'm using my strengths and my experiences. My life is centered around the rhythms and the routines. Um, that, that bring me joy and, um, that are beautiful experiences. And I Mm -hmm. think, and that's not to say that I'm not stressed, right. That Mm -hmm. there aren't things that I don't like to do in relationship to the business. Um, but there are things that, uh, that only I can do and they contribute to me leading my best life. Mm, Beautiful. And do you have a morning or evening routine that fosters your success? Yeah. So every morning uh, I wake up, I uh, either have uh, a cup of tea or warm water with lemon. Uh, I take Harper, my dog, for a walk. Mm. And then uh, I am uh, doing one of two things. I'm either in Saffron and Sage at the studio for our 730 yin class, Mm. um, which is gently waking up the body um, and uh, or I um, spend it at home in my living room, um, reading and reflecting and, and meditating. Lovely. And can you leave the women listening with your three best tips for living a good life? Three best tips for living the good life. Um, I would say start with shoulds. Uh, this is something that my spiritual director taught me. Greg would always say, you know, when I said, I should be doing this or I shouldn't be responding like this, um, calling attention to those. And I think as women, we tend to live off of those should lists. And every time I hear that come out of my mouth, which is fewer and fewer nowadays, mm-hmm. um, but when it does, I take note of it and say, what, what is it that I should be doing? And how do I reframe that? Because, uh, it's nothing you should be doing. You either want to do something or you don't. And mm. I think that's really uh, essential to living your life on purpose. Mm. And um, so, yeah, editing those out to making sure that your life is designed around what it is that you truly desire. Uh, I think the second thing is holding sacred space. Um, find someone to hold sacred space for you so that you can 
take a step back from everything that you're doing, everything that uh, all the expectations that you have or other people have for you and so that you can sit and almost look at your life as a movie mm. and see what's going on. We move so quickly. Things happen so fast. And so that may be spiritual direction for you. That might be psychotherapy, right? You might be looking more of what's happened in the past. Uh, it could be coaching. Um, whatever it is, taking a moment to reflect and cultivating that awareness of self, I think is essential. Mm. Uh, and, and, and then the third um, practice that I do is getting clear about desires. Uh, I just did this because I do it every year before my birthday. And then mm-hmm. I do it at the end of the year again in December. And then I try to revisit uh, every, every season or every quarter. And uh, I use Pinterest uh, before Pinterest was around. I had tons mm-hmm. of magazines, uh, and I would clip out different pieces of magazines and um, put them into a little, or, you know, tear off pages in the magazine, put them in a little book. And that was also almost like my lookbook or my vision board um, for that season of my life. And I think uh, it, it's really about cultivating, again, or not necessarily cultivating, but connecting with those deeper desires, right? When you talked about my definition of success before, mm. before it was like, buy a house, you know, by the mm. time I turn 21, um, get this sort of car, do that. And, and those are irrelevant. What sort of car you drive, any of those things, you might have preferences to what you, you know, would like to drive or where you want to live, but getting into those desires of what you want at a soul level, at a heart level, I think is really, really important. And and seeing what symbols and images speak to you. And then from there, I I, uh, look at my calendar and I figure out how is this going to incorporate itself um, into my life? And that might mean I need to adjust my my financial budget and my Mm. planning. It might mean I need to spend Uh, Like for me, one of my desires is to walk the Camino de Santiago. And so Hmm. not only do I need to have a whole month to disappear (laughs) to Spain uh, to to walk 20 miles a day, um, but I need to have the endurance and capacity. And so the training that's required in that, um, you know, I need to be doing personal training sessions at Saffron and Sage, as Hmm. well as being in certain classes to develop that sort of endurance. Uh, you know, and so that is now coming onto my calendar and seeing, wow, when is that going to, to be a possibility? And it's Mm. about reverse engineering those Mm. rhythms and those routines to get you there. And so that's what I would say. Love it. Love it. And this conversation has been so great. I'm, I just know you're going to continue to be so successful and cheering you on from over here. saying this is so great (laughs) and so needed. So I can't wait to see where it goes in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And this vision of these centers everywhere is just really powerful. And I'm supporting you in that dream. Um, So where can people learn more about you and your work, Kristen? Where can I direct them? Yep. So you can find us online at saffronsageliving.com. You can follow us on Instagram at, at saffronandsageus. And uh, you can come visit us in person uh, in Little Italy. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for your time today. This has been so much fun. Oh, the pleasure is mine. Thanks so much for inviting me, Michelle. 
I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Kristen and all of the show notes can be found at thegoodlifecoach.com forward slash zero five eight. And while you're there, I'd love to invite you to be a part of the community. All you have to do is go to the bottom of that page and you'll see a sign up to get the weekly email. And as a thank you, you will get 52 self-care tips, one idea for every week of the year. And with a new year starting, it's a great time to get those ideas in place. Before I sign off, just a reminder to make sure that you have subscribed to the podcast on your favorite podcast player and to please forward this episode to anyone you think would benefit from the information. Thanks again for tuning in and I look forward to reconnecting next Wednesday. Bye for now.